to the iCode Media Podcast, where we help you become the best eye care provider you can be. I'm your host for today, Ted McElroy. If you haven't done so, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button and give us a review and a rating on your particular podcast player. And as always, please support those who help support us. One of the things that it took me a while to wrap my mind around was the need for utilizing a silicone hydrogel lens for my patients who wear daily contact lenses. Nearly all of my patients who wear a frequent replacement lens wear a silicone hydrogel material. However, until a few years ago, very few of my one-day lens prescriptions were for a silicone hydrogel. Part of this was the options we had available, and part of it was cost. At least my perception of the cost. What I was forgetting is that patients wearing a one-day lens are still wearing their lenses for 14 to 16 hours, and they would benefit from a more oxygen permeable lens. You may have the perception, as I did, that a one-day lens made with silicon hydrogel material are gonna be too costly for our patients. However, studies show that patients want us to offer them the healthiest options regardless of price. I make it simple to the patient. I explain why I'm prescribing a particular lens based on their complaints or based on what I'm seeing clinically. It sounds like this. Bob, you're wearing a contact lens for most of your day, and in the past, we didn't have as many options for putting you in a daily lens that also allows for optimal oxygen transmission. We now have an option that does this and is as cost-effective as older lenses that you're in. I would love to see how this lens feels to you and looks on your eyes. Done. That's the conversation, and I haven't had one patient who has not wanted to try it. Clarity One Day is an affordable silicone hydrogel lens our patients are thankful we discussed with them. Check out the show links for references and see for yourself how to move beyond cost and focus on what's best for our patients. You're in for a real treat today because I got a chance to sit down with Dr. Erica Morrow. Erica opened up a practice hot in Savannah, Georgia about six months ago and is changing the face of the way of optometry in Savannah, Georgia. Her practice is located in a very artsy part of Savannah and she fits the culture very well with the Savannah College of Art and Design. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation we have today. Thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast today with me. Um, for those of you who don't know, Erica Morrow is a practitioner in Savannah, Georgia, and has started a fabulous practice there over the last six months. And I, I couldn't think of an, a better way to have someone talk about doing something really brave, in my opinion, than having Erica come on and, and talk about what she's doing. So, Erica, again, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. So I guess the, probably the best thing to do is to sort of get you to tell a little bit of your origin story. I mean, how did you come into optometry in the first place? What, how, did, how did this become your career? So um, when I was 19, I was actually shopping at a garage sale, and I met a lady that uh, was looking for a receptionist at an office that she was an optomic assistant. So I was like, oh, yeah, I hate software, and that's what I was doing. So um, I went and got a job at um, this ODMD practice in Denver, Colorado, and immediately fell in love with the industry and um, started um, one time his scribe called out, the ophthalmologist scribe called out, and he's like, hey, I need you to come in here. And I was like, what? And so um, that's where I really found that I really had an interest in eye care. So I started out as a scribe. I earned my National Contact Lens Examiner Certificate and then went on to become a certified ophthalmic assistant through the Jacopo program. And I just loved it so much. And I did all of his contact lenses. I did basically everything refraction-wise for him. He did not do any form of glasses or contacts. But 
I found my love for contacts there. I would fit multifocal gas permeable contacts. I fit rose case um, contacts for keratoconus. Um, and I just loved it. So one day I just went to him and I said, maybe I should go to college to be an optometrist. And I come from a family of eight kids and um, my parents didn't even graduate high school. So I had no idea how to go to college. So um, he helped me fill out my FAFSA form and I, um, he helped me apply to college. And so I went off to college while working full time for him. Um, he paid for my undergrad as long as I kept up my 40 hours. And so I went to school at night and online and on, on the weekends, and that was tough, but it was definitely um, something that I did, and I finished it in four years. So I started that six years after working for him and um, finished in four years and then got accepted to the University of Alabama at Birmingham and went off to optometry school. He's still a huge mentor in my life, so everything that I do, I run past him, and um, he always knew that I was going to be a great entrepreneur so he believed in me and open my, opening my own practice um, when I went off to optometry school the idea was is that I would buy a practice in Castle Rock Colorado and we talked about it before leaving and talked about it all throughout um, four years of optometry school um, and then literally six weeks before graduation the optometrist got cold feet and decided he wasn't ready to sell and so then I was stuck looking for a job and I joined a group practice <laughs> I love the group practice um, setup, if you will. They had wonderful training programs in place, and um, they had, you know, kind of really good systems and processes, and I really enjoyed that. But I had zero control over anything that I did. I was only off on Sundays and Wednesdays, and so I decided group practice wasn't ideal for me, and I thought I'd be better off in a smaller setting and my husband was pretty unhappy with his job he's an engineer so I said why don't you open up your job search I'm, I'm willing to leave Colorado so we opened it up and um, Gulfstream here in Savannah Colorado just kind of rolled out the red carpet for him and um, he has done really well there so I moved off to um, Savannah Georgia and I started working in a private practice um, in a smaller town outside of Savannah called Statesboro and um, it was a private practice um, at Horace Field's office. It was a really good opportunity to kind of get my feet wet with small practice and um, it just kind of cemented that I wanted to do my own thing one day so um, I did and I realized there was no eye doctor in the historic district of Savannah at all and I was tired of wearing crappy name brand eyewear <laughs> so I was like I have got to find good eyewear and so I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it myself. And so um, my husband and I started trekking around Savannah, writing down all these names and numbers of people who were renting or selling and um, settled on a, not settled because it's a beautiful place. And I think it's in a really up and coming area. And so we're right there in the historic district off of um, MLK and Jones. It's called Foresight. <laughs> Yeah, it's, and it's very, I mean, you know, the kind of neat part about it is, you know, your your office is called Foresight. You're about, what, about a half a mile from Forsyth Park. And, you know, just the, yeah, it, it all fits with Savannah so well. The area that you're in is really a, I don't want to say unique, but a, a different kind of place from the rest of Savannah uh, because it's very close to Savannah College of Art and Design. Did did your decision to go to that location have a lot to do with the type of practice that you wanted to have? 
Um, you know, it didn't, this sounds silly, but I had no idea what SCAD was. I see it everywhere, but I didn't realize, I didn't really realize it was a school of creative arts. And I just, I, you know, the name says it and that kind of stuff, but I really didn't have an idea of what that meant. Um, so when I was looking, I was kind of more looking for parking because you can't get a business loan if there's no parking. And I was looking for public transportation because that was also another key factor. And so it didn't, but the fact that I'm there is phenomenal because I get tons of SCAD traffic because I'm right by their housing and also um, within, like if, if to go to one facility to another facility, they have several of them, but um, you have to cross over. So I've gotten some of the um, instructors from there. I got the film producer that came in. And so people that appreciate creative things and when they come into Forsyth, they're like, wow, this is nothing like an eye doctor's office. So I get excited to hear that. So how did you get some of the inspiration about how you were going to design your office then? Um, if you go anywhere into Savannah, you kind of always get this really cool feel, um, literally. Any place I enter, it's the wallpaper, it's the finishes, it's, um, I mean, it's all of it. And I'm really into kind of preservation, so I wanted a place that would have the historic feel. And this building I'm in is, a, the whole entire building is 65,000 square feet. And um, they had to do 100% of it under historical tax preservation. And so I thought, well, that will probably be pretty neat. I'll be able to preserve a lot of the space stuff. And granted, when you came to the space, it was like nothing. But um, the ceilings have a tin ceiling with a beautiful textured pattern. It has this really awesome um, crown molding that's tin. And, it had this beautiful exposed brick, but unfortunately, the um, historical tax preservation didn't appreciate. Come on, <laughs> sorry, didn't appreciate the um, didn't appreciate the. Uh, sorry, my got distracted. Um, but they didn't appreciate the the brick, which was so unfortunate because it was so beautiful, and um, they made us cover it up. But regardless, it turned out to be a great spot, and then. Whenever I was designing my space, I was just looking for like a salvage company. So using Instagram and stuff, I was able to locate like a place that does a lot of um, salvage material. So all of my frame board shelving um, comes from Forsyth Mansion's remodel. It was all their trim work from their door jams and everything. And then I had a woodworker piece them together to make um, board shelves. And then I kept as local as I could when it came to artwork and cabinetry and I used a brass metal worker to create this um, big um, optical display in my office so really there's nothing in there that is office there's no real frame boards or anything like that um, but I also I don't know why but I have this I have people always tell me you have just have a uh, um, a knack for decorating and so I kind of started piecing things together and finding things that would work and um, that's how the office looks the way it does but I, I don't have waiting chairs I have a sofa and um, I don't have patient chairs in the exam room I have um, a really old school vintage seat and so I just tried to keep everything as non-clinical as possible. So how do you how are you seeing that affect the way you're customers, guests, patients, whatever you want to call them, how does that affect their experience compared to experiences you had in your practice experience in Colorado and, and small town Georgia? How does, how does it feel different for them? 
um, they always talk about how cool it is and they'll, they'll jump on their social media and, and post it, which I think is really fun. One, it helps with marketing, but two, it's really neat that they feel excited about it too. And then with the SCAD kids, especially the ones that are in their interior design program or um, fashion, they're, they're, they love all of it and they ask questions. And so I always am telling this story about Forsyth and letting them kind of know how I use local things. But it's been, patients have really loved it. And I got a lady on Saturday actually that came in with like doubled vision and in her review, she like commented about how beautiful the office was. A lot of them in my reviews do. So I think people really do love it. They feel at home. I hear that a lot. They'll hang out, which is kind of cool. So. Yeah, that's really neat. With your previous experience and other practices, what have you taken from those that you brought forward with you to this practice that you're starting now? Um, with my group practice, they just had so many wonderful processes and um, training setups. And so I really wanted to have um, that kind of set into place whenever I opened. And it's been interesting. I've been trying really hard. And I think as I kind of get used to and as we grow, I think my processes will come together. But that's what I kind of took from there. And then at my private practice, it was kind of just relating to the patient on a personal level and kind of getting to know them. And um, also allowing the staff to be really involved in the experience. And so that's what I wanted to make sure at Foresight that we did too. Very good. So now you've been in this since is August is when you opened up doors. Is that correct? August 10th, I opened my doors. Yep. So what's been the biggest surprise that you've had since you started in back in August with your practice so far? Um, honestly, it's patient numbers. Like I thought, okay, you know, when you join these group practices, your schedule of 25 is there. You join a practice that's been so well established, the patient numbers are there. I'm like, I could do this, you know, because I grew my practice at both of those locations. My group practice, I had grossed almost 700,000 in my first year and then my second or at my private practice I was um I think I was right right around 675 and so I thought okay I could do this I grow a practice everywhere I go no it's very different so <laughs> um getting the patients in the chair has been the most surprising part some and, and what are you great, doing some days it's not yeah, well, yeah, that you know, even in prices that are established like mine for 20 some odd years, it's sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not. So what kind of things are you doing that are are attracting them to your practice besides the, the fact that, that it's a lovely coming. practice? Oh, thank you. I can't wait for you to come out and check it out. It's going to be so cool. Um, I am uh, Instagram and Google have been my two biggest responses when you ask people how did you find that weren't insurance driven? Um, it's in Instagram and Google. So um, that's been there. But in terms of marketing now, I'm actually just, it sounds terrible, but I'm starting to pay for marketing because we just need the patient numbers. So I'm doing targeted um, neighborhoods and I'm doing um, articles or not articles, ads, excuse me. And so I'm doing like Ardley Park Neighborhood Magazine and then like it's called West Chatham, which is like a region where they have different subdivisions. And then I'm going to do like Skidaway Island where the landing and um, kind of like a, an older crowd of people are. So I'm doing that. And then I've actually just met with a radio person about radio advertising because I've heard in Savannah that a lot of people get great response from that. So I'm toying with that idea as well. 
Now, Word Savannah is. Oh yeah, that's definitely something that's big. You know, if you can start getting people to start talking about you, it's definitely going to help out. Savannah is kind of a, a a town, much like a lot of the bigger cities too, where there's really not a lot of private practices, if I remember correctly. I mean, you know, does, do you find that that tends to help you stand out a little bit more, or does that tend to give people a little bit more of a pause before they decide to come see your practice? How do you think that works for you? Um, honestly, I think it's more of a pause because. Um, Everything around me is a retail setting, so Lens Crafters, America's Best, Eyeglass World. The closest um, private practice is on the south side of Savannah near the mall, and um, kind of a, a, you know, it's kind of a ways away from me. So a lot of people have gone to these retail settings for so long that they don't um, understand or appreciate kind of a more private experience until they get there, and then every time they're I literally hear almost from most of my patients to say, I've never had an eye exam like this before. And so um, I've never had that test done or what does that mean, you know, when I'm going into all these different details. And and so I think once they get there, it's been really well received, but um, it's kind of one of those hesitations. Well, like I could just run over here really quick for free exam and two pairs of glasses. So. I'm trying to kind of infiltrate that and spread my work, spread my name. And I think that's where I want to use the radio ad to kind of like set myself apart and, you know, just kind of express what the difference might be. Right. Do, do you find that your guest um, demographics are basically all the same? Is it varied? Uh, what, what, what does that seem like to how that works? I mean, is it, are you getting a certain clientele or does it, uh, is it all over the place? Honestly, like right now, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of all over. Like today I saw some younger teenagers. Um, um, the, high, the eldest age that I've seen has been, I think she was 89. So, but when the school's in, when SCAD's in session, I see a lot of SCAD kids. So anywhere from, you know, 19 to 26. Um, and then I'm starting to get more of the working professionals kind of coming around too, but it has varied a lot. Every day seems a little bit different. I'm the only one in the area that do, that, that does scleral contact lenses. Um, and I also love rigid gas permeable contacts. So I'm hoping like I have my first scleral lens fit. Uh, I dispense them on Monday. And so she's like, I wish I would could tell people how to find you. Yeah, you're really good. So I'm hoping that doing some of those specialty fits will also bring in um, some more people. So specialization seems to be a big thing. You know, not only are you doing specialization in what your services you're offering, but also, you know, your frame mix is not the typical frame mix either. It's, it's very much eclectic compared to what it might be in a, in a regular practice that you might see. Um, how, how did you dis- decide on what particular frame lines you were going to bring into your practice? So when I was working at the group practice, I worked at one of their downtown locations and then also in a, a suburb called Highlands Ranch, and it's kind of an affluent area. And I just was like, wow, they had carried such great eyewear. And um, so I got kind of addicted to it when I was there. And so I took some names of frames that I really, really liked in terms of style and comfort and um just how many different styles they had in kind of their collection overall. And then I went to Vision Expo East and I checked out a lot of different frame lines and kind of hand selected what I wanted. 
Um, but I don't carry anything that has a name brand, but I carry everything that has quality and some sort of uniqueness to it, which has been really cool. And patients have loved it when they've started looking. Um, I've kept things to try and keep only brands that offer me support, but also offer the patient support via warranties and high quality products. Um, and so whenever I explain that to a patient that they seem to really appreciate that as well. Some of my frames are more like jewelry than they are, you know, just eyewear. Right. And, and I would presume too, that with it being more like jewelry versus eyewear, it's, you know, you're not just giving that stuff away. You know, how are you portraying the value to someone, especially now when you've got, you know, somebody down the street that's offering three pair of glasses for a nickel and, you know, how do you get them to understand how much better this really is for them? So I, I oftentimes will walk them out in style on myself and I'll say, oh, I think this frame would look really great on you. But in the exam room, I'm kind of talking about, you know, giving them an overall experience, but I'm also talking about wearing things that have, you know, when it comes to lens design or frame um, that have a story to them. And so a lot of my frame lines also have a story. So that's been good. Um, how do I sell it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, honestly, I got my optician from eyeglass world and she came in with glasses that didn't have AR and I'm like, nope, <laughs> let me get you into some jewelry. And her changing from that type of eyewear to something that's really high quality, it's really cool to see how interested she is into it. And she loves it. And she's like, I just can't believe I used to wear that. And so I've had I bought frames from her in exchange for giving her a new set of frames. And so she brought in her frames and so she'll show patients the difference in quality and AR and lens material. Um, and then I got her into her first progressive. So she's really knowledgeable about that. So her support helps, but I also have no problem selling. That's, that's something actually too, I wanted to get into a little bit, you know, you've just started this brand new practice. As I like to say it, you started off hot. You didn't start off cold. You, you go into this location, it's basically just kind of you, uh, and it turned out to literally be just kind of you. I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about how that worked out at the very first week there. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm in this 65,000 square foot building literally by myself. Um, there's still no, there's still no tenants, but they just got their last CO, so that's been really cool. I'm really excited because I think this area is so up and coming, and gentrification is happening. Whether we like it or not, it will be wonderful for Savannah. It's going to be great for our office too. Um, but I started, and I had a, a full-time optician that I hired on, and she went through training. We did all of the Vision Source Insights optical training and the SLR product training, and the revolution training and then literally the day before I opened my doors she quit so um, I oh, worked for the first <laughs> I worked for the first three weeks by myself but it was great because it really got me comfortable with everything um, I had never really truly fit a progressive by myself so <clears throat> I was really trying hard to make sure I did everything the right way and um, it forced me to learn my EMR very quickly and um, Ultimately, it was really good. I actually worked this last Saturday by myself just off, like kind of on a whim. I had a medical doctor in the area that requested he see me and only me. And so I said, well, I'll work this Saturday. I have nothing else going on. See if he wants Saturday. So he came in and um, he said he chose me because it says that I would help him pick out his glasses personally on my website. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> so he wanted to see me and um he was actually he found me on instagram which i thought was kind of cool he took a huge stack of cards and says i'm going to get you patients so that's been great but i worked by myself i sold six pairs of glasses and i i brought in over you know four thousand dollars in one day by myself so that's impressive that's a, that's really <laughs> impressive so, so what kind of lessons are you learning i mean I, obviously you're learning how to do things but are you learning that you, the things that you want to continue to keep doing and some of the things that you want to maybe not continue to keep doing? I mean, how is that working? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I hired a part-time person um, to help us because our schedule was really busy. So I hired her and then all of a sudden patient numbers just started going down, down, down. And so I started having her do all of my billing and that has been a huge relief for me because I had never worked with Trezetto. I had no idea. I still don't even have an idea what Trezetto's purpose is. <laughs> and um, so she had some experience in that. And she used to work at a private practice on the South side. And so she reached out and was looking for a job. So I held on to her number. And that has been a huge relief for me. That has helped a lot. I would like my optician to become a little bit more um, versatile in things like lens material, prescriptions prism, that kind of stuff, so that I don't have to um, kind of be supportive. And I think she'll get there definitely. It was kind of funny. Um, after Saturday, when I worked that day by myself, she came in and she's like, oh, thank you. You know, you did great. And I was like, yeah, so remember, I could do this by myself. <laughs> and I didn't want to come off that way. But I had been getting a little bit of like, subpar work from from the two of them, just because it's been somewhat quiet. And so you better bet that made her flip her on light on her, her switch on and she's been working hardcore this week. Yeah, it's always nice to get a little kick in the teeth every now and then just keep you on <laughs> keep you on task. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're um you know you've you've brought in specialty lenses to your practice, you've got these jewelry style frame lines, you're obviously specializing yourself in a different way. Is there anything you feel like you would as you look down the road with your practice, what, where do you want to take it in the future? What, what kind of things are you looking for in the future of your practice? I'd really like to really be the person that people come to for specialty everything. I'd like us to get to that point even if, with optical because there's not somebody in our area at all that can literally do something, you know, the same day, but also in the specialty lens area, you know. And when it comes to being specific about what somebody does with their work, whether it's shooting glasses or um, workspace glass, you know, just your normal office type glasses and stuff like that. I'd really like us to specialize in that. And then when it comes to contact lenses, I personally love contacts. I've been doing them since I was like 19 years old. And um, it's something that I'm super confident in, but I learn something every single fit that I do. I would like to um, bring in aesthetics, honestly, would be my next thing that I'd love. Um, I'm really into like skincare and um, the stuff we use on our skin. And I think it makes a huge difference when your face looks good and you're wearing nice jewelry on your face to, to also have that. So I think long term, I'd love to bring in kind of my office is very like far home, homey feeling. Um, and so I think aesthetics would work really well in there. Maybe bring in like IPL and um, one day I'd love to do Botox. I might have to go get an RN just to do it though. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I would also, you know, make sure you're uh, getting somebody to get the, you know, make sure you take care of the legislative side of things for you too, for certain. Yeah. 
Um, well, it's funny when you're these little nurses always they, they have there's these two nurse teams and they literally go around and do Botox pop ups everywhere. And I'm like, would I rather an optometrist do this or would I rather some nurses do this? It was just a joke. I will only follow legislative law, but ultimately, oh, sure. you know, we're going to move that direction, I think. As you see the future of our profession, I mean, changing, you know, you're you're significantly younger than I am. What do you see in the future of our profession? How do you see it continuing to go forward from here? That's a tough question because, you know, you hate to be, um, you know, a pessimist, but you also don't want to be too optimistic that you're not, you know, you're not catching the wind of everything that's happening in the in the environment. But you also have to understand that there's people just like you and I that do a, appreciate a good experience and, um there's so many eye conditions and eye things that just will never go online, you know, and I think setting us apart in terms of experience and um, offering unique services is going to be really important. Um, I think specializing, I think, you know, is going to be one of those things that we all have to do in some form or fashion, whether it's dry eye, um, contact lenses, optical, or um, aesthetics, it's just going to have to happen. But I'm hopeful that things will just continue to get better for everybody if you're just taking the right steps, you know. I love optometry. I think every single day we make a difference, and that at night makes me so excited. Um, I had a patient that I'm going to dispense her contacts on Monday, and she's been wearing glasses, seeing 2200, and she's a nurse. Um, just FYI, that's not cool. And she can't find anybody to fit her in contacts. She was wearing gas perms, but they kept popping out and kept popping out she comes she's comes down from South Carolina and I'm like I cannot believe from South Carolina through the coast of Savannah that nobody has offered her scleral contact lenses her K's were 89 wow and so um and she has terrible sleep apnea nobody has ever talked to her about that and I said do you snore at night she said yeah why and I said well you probably have keratoconus because it's also associated with sleep apnea let's get you checked for that so I've also teamed up with the coastal ear nose and throat out here and um, sending to them and also letting them to let them know that if someone has that, they need to send them in for an eye exam. So um, it's just things like that that keep me excited in optometry, and I think there'll always be a need for us and always be a need for our services. You, you were uh, a couple of things you've done right here where you've done some connection with other professionals in healthcare, uh, the doctor who sought you out because you were going to do the specific thing by helping him with his frame selection, this ear, nose, and throat specialist. What other kind of, of, of physicians are you tending to try and connect with and to build your practice? Um, I've been trying to get in with optometrists in this area, which is huge because we have to connect with each other. And I've been trying to cement in, you don't know, I work and I fill in obviously right now to try and make an income while my practice is growing. And so I, I fill in at different retail centers and they'll say, oh, just send them to Georgia Eye or just send them to this ophthalmologist. I said, you guys, we need to be referring to each other, you know. Um, so I've gone and introduced myself to everybody. I've also stepped up to be the president of the first district GOA. And so I've been sending out emails and, you know, just introducing myself, letting people know that I'm here for referrals, too. And I'd love to meet up and get brainstorming sessions going. So I think starting with optometry has probably been my biggest push. And that's where I've gotten several referrals. Um, the next one's primary care, I think. Um, in, in this region, a lot of primary care is not private practice. It's all hospital-based. Um, like they're in these huge um, conglomerates that are all associated with the hospital. 
So that's been a little bit more difficult, but I've been sending letters for every single patient on there. I don't have patient information forms that they actually fill out. I just get their name, address, phone number, and then their primary care physician on a um, laminated sheet that we just wipe clean whenever they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been sending letters to every primary care doctor, just letting them know their results of the exam and slipping business cards in there. Um, and then internists, of course, if they're you know a diabetic or anything, they get that. And then I've reached out and said, if you'd like to see their images, I can email them to you. Um, and so I haven't necessarily got a huge response from that, but I think I will. Um, and then the ear, nose, and throat, I actually went to one of their networking events that they had for their business and kind of introduced myself and kind of got in that area. But I think my next reach is going to be like rheumatoid and internist to kind of let them know that I'm here. I have a visual field and an OCT, so I can take care of their Plaquenil patients, diabetics, retinopathy, anything like that. So. I want to circle back to the comment you made earlier about connecting with other optometrists. Now, do you see that being a little bit of a challenge in our profession? I mean, and, and if so, what, what do you feel like is the big challenge of why that connection is not being made? Honestly, I think it comes from confidence. Um, you know, if they've worked at these retail centers for so long that their go-to is just to refer to the ophthalmologist that they've used over and over again. And then it's also <clears throat> just, the ease of it perhaps i don't know but yes it's been a challenge and i'll fill in at this one center and and the doc the director over there he's an optometrist that works there full time he's like no don't you want to refer them to minocha or don't you want to refer them to them there for an ophthalmologist i'm like no the patient has keratoconus refer them to somebody that can help them you know and so i just i just always kind of stick to my guns about it but i also think that some of the retail centers they just don't know what's available and maybe they're uncomfortable reaching out so if i let them know that i'm here for them and that you know i can support them in any way possible and then they could also use me for anything even if it's just a question like hey what do i do i'd feel more comfortable comfortable asking an optometrist you know and so i think for me that's what i'd want so i'm letting them know that i'm here too yeah that's great. I mean, because I think, think that's one of the biggest challenges that, I, and it's not just optometry. I hear the same thing happening with ophthalmology. I hear it with internists, and they tend to be a lot less likely even to refer within their own profession. And I, I still, mm-hmm. for the life of me, can't figure out why this is. You know, we've got such wonderful, brilliant people that we get a chance to work with, um, to to work arm in arm with and shoulder to shoulder with. And just for some reason, we, we're reluctant to go to our own people and say, I need a little help. Can you, can you figure out what's going on? You know, or just a second opinion maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's really refreshing to hear someone who's actively working toward trying to get that kind of thing happening. So kudos to you for, for working on that. That's great. When you start looking at how you get your advice or where you're getting your ideas from, or when you're sort of scratching your head thinking, what do I do next? Where are you turning for that information? I mean, especially being a new practitioner and starting your, well, not a new practitioner, but starting your brand new practice. How are you finding that information to help you out? Um, I did came up with a consulting firm and I've since changed direction. So I originally started with one group and then I've changed directions and I'm hooked up with another group. So if it comes to like my financial aspects of it, or is this a good or bad idea? And when it comes to it involving like, a financial decision I'll, I'll run it by them and they've been really awesome in terms of marketing ideas too so I have to say that that has been really really helpful for me and they also help with staff 
So they'll do um, anonymous phone calls, like where they call in and, and do that kind of stuff and make sure she's saying and doing the right stuff. Um, and then the other place is this private practice group. You can only be in the group if you are have open cold. Um, you can't, it's not a group for people that have um, been in an office and then slowly buying it out, but it can, you can also be in it if you've purchased a practice entirely. Um, and that has been really good to bounce ideas off people and to, you know, things you just didn't even think about. And so that's, I go to those two sources pretty regularly. So what kind of advice are they giving you uh, when you're, what kind of advice are you asking for? What kind of advice are they giving you? So one of them I had, I, there was this person that came to me asking me to do um, an banner ad on their website or whatever it was. And people were like, nope, it doesn't work. Or yes, it's worked for me. And so that's been nice to kind of, and I get every area is different, but overall, how effective has something been? And then procedures and policies, I kind of bounce a lot off of them. Um, and then just different marketing ideas. You know, all of these people are so creative. And I sometimes think for myself, I'm not very creative. I feel like I think very black and white. Sometimes I don't think outside the box. And so having people that do that has been really helpful. And then like, I wanted to create a rack card because um, my husband's like, what if I go around and deliver them to all these different doors? And I think I said, well, yeah, but like, what do we put on it? So I said, hey, do you guys have some examples of rack cards? And so they all posted their pictures. And then um, I had the lady that I'm using for design help me create mine and it turned out awesome, so. That's great. As far as um, people who are speaking into you currently, um, what kind of advice would you say to someone who is starting in a situation like you? How would you how would you advise them to get started where you were, say, a year, two years ago? How would you tell them to start moving in that direction? I think you have to really, really dig down and ask yourself if you have the drive because it's something that is a lot of work and I knew it was going to be a lot of work but it's actually even more work than I thought it would be um, so you just have to have a lot of drive and um, you have to have support if I didn't have my husband I would not be able to open cold um, emotionally or financially and then I would encourage you just to go out and find an area that you're not going to eat someone else's lunch. Um, that was really important to me. I didn't want to open up to take a patient from somebody else. I wanted to open up to organically grow my own practice. And I think that's really important. I'll notice even in my private practice club, like, why did they open there? They literally are taking their patients from next door. Like, we can't do that to each other, you know. Um, and that's why I realized that Savannah was the perfect spot for it. Um, and then. Find something that you want to do and stick with your idea. You know, the first consultants I worked with, they literally had their own idea and wanted me to do what they had in mind. And I just kept saying, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm really glad that I did. So with you coming up with your own idea, was that more just the, what, the feel of how you wanted that to be or the idea of, or even the location you were looking into? I mean, what, what kind of things did you decide that this is the way I'm going to do it versus the way somebody else is going to do it. I just knew, because like I said, I was going to um, have my own practice right out of optometry school. So I went into optometry school knowing that I wanted to do my own thing. And I had a lot of ideas from just working as a technician for so long and then kind of being in the industry so long of what I wanted. And then after being in that group practice and I got really familiar with eyewear, 
Um, that was another thing that kind of added to it. But I'm trying to think what would be the best way to answer that question. Um, I guess I just am, I'm, I guess for myself, I'm very, I kind of know what I want in life, I think. Except for if you ask me if I move, I move a lot. <laughs> but I feel like I know when it came to being an optometrist, I knew what I wanted and I knew I wanted to do my own thing. Um, and I just needed to make it happen. And the timing and everything just worked out perfect. And honestly, once I started looking, things literally started to connect and they just started to happen. And so I didn't force anything. I We looked and looked for an area to be in for a really long time, like months. And then um, I, a healthcare real estate agent actually ended up finding the space that I'm in. And that was awesome. If I can say one thing, the best thing I've ever found is a healthcare real estate agent. That was really good. So is this how you thought it all was going to turn out? I think it's better. That's great. That's great. I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, because when you, when you got this idea of where your things are thinking is going to happen, and you get to the end result and to have an idea that this is going to be better than what I thought of. That's a, that's a, a great thing to, to have with you. Well, uh, Erica, I really appreciate your time this evening and spending some time with us and telling us about your practice. I'm so excited for you. And I, I can't wait to see the finished product. Like you said, the only time I got to see it was basically this gutted floor and cracks all over the place. I'm just so excited about it for you. And I, could, I can't tell you how excited I am for you, but also the citizens of Savannah don't realize what kind of a, a gem they've got with you in, in that practice. And, and good luck to you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for including me. My pleasure. Talk soon. Thank you.